Welcome to the Jesus Image Podcast. Father, thank you for inviting us to approach the throne of grace with boldness, not in our own strength, but by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the invitation of prayer and what you accomplish when we pray, what you accomplish in us. Jesus, you are the goal and the obsession. You're, you're the point. And so I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, just lift your hands. I pray that the spirit of prayer the spirit of grace and supplication, that it would be poured out tonight, that we would not bring our own strength and our own words to the table, but that you would speak and pray through us, that you would strengthen us. Lord, we need many mountains to be cast into the sea. There's sickness in this room. May it be destroyed in Jesus' holy name. Lord, we need the city to move quickly. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do there for the building. And Lord, we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in us individually and upon us as a church family. And our nation needs an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you said my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Let this be your house tonight. And draw us into your presence. Quicken us. And use tonight to shift eternity. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise just one more time? Seal that. Okay, I want to give you a few keys to prayer. Um, I think it's important that we do just a... A brief encouragement. I'm going to go for 20 minutes and I'm timing it. So 7.53, I'll be done. And then we're going to seek the Lord. Take your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, verse You know, when I first started, people would be a little confused about our ministry because they just weren't quite convinced that there was a place for us in the body. I mean, they knew the Lord would use us, but they didn't really have a way of explaining how he would. I remember preaching in Buffalo at the tab and Pastor Tommy said, God's going to do something great. I just, I just can't figure it out. I, I don't know where you're going to fit. You're, I know you're an evangelist now, and I just, but there's more to you than that. And we'll see what happens. I was like, wow, okay, that sounds great. We'll just see what happens. <laughs> well, the first time Pastor Benny heard me, uh, first time I had taken a service for him, he didn't tell the people I was going to be the, his replacement. And I said, Bob, you got to tell him. I, nobody even knows who I am. 
you're Benny Hinn. I'm going to just take the platform. They're going to throw stuff at me. They're going to kick me out. And it was a glorious meeting. And I remember the next morning he said, there's so much in you regarding the deeper life, the inner life. And he was excited to, to hear that. He, we had moved to Florida and he hadn't seen me minister publicly at the time or ever. I think that was the first time. This would make sense to Dennis. There were so many great uh, voices as it pertained to the inner life, the deeper life, the interior life, a life of intimacy with Jesus, the whole bridal paradigm. All of this was very preeminent in the 70s and in the 80s, even prior to that. Um, then it became a bit more rare to talk about prayer of the heart, for instance, uh, unceasing prayer, continual prayer, intimacy with God. Uh, in, the intimacy movement, in my opinion, continued with the language but was lacking the experience. And a huge part, a huge portion of leadership is being able to articulate by the Spirit what is impossible to articulate in the flesh. And it's that activity of the Spirit that is alluring to the seeking heart. Hearts come alive when you can break the bread of life and hopefully by the Spirit, eyes open and they behold the Lord Jesus and leave saying, did our hearts not burn within us? To me, to me, and I think uh, most of our brothers and sisters in the East would say proper theology requires a burning heart, requires a vision of Jesus. To stop shy of that, we miss the point. And we're so information-driven that one-on-one -on -one experience and contact with the Lord is becoming less and less talked about properly, according to Scripture. And so, when we talk about prayer, we have to talk about prayer scripturally. Okay, because... I've seen a lot of wonderful people take their own path regarding prayer and get taken out by the devil. So I want to talk to you quickly about unceasing prayer, continual prayer. Take your Bibles. I want you to mark that first verse I just gave you from the Gospel of Luke. Now I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians 5. And look at verses uh, 16 and 17. David, could you grab a mic, buddy? The first thing we need to do is biblically define prayer. Now, if you grew up in modern-day evangelical or Protestant Pentecostalism, or plus or minus the Pentecostalism, you probably heard this statement. Prayer is a humble request made known unto God. 
How many of you heard that growing up? Okay, that is the smallest fraction of what prayer truly is, okay? So David, would you read 1 Thessalonians 5, and you're going to read verses 16 through 17. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Keep going. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All right, now look. Here the scripture teaches us to pray without ceasing. So, if prayer is a humble request made known unto God, how do you, uh, how do you go grocery shopping? How do you carry and hold a job? How do you preach? How do you preach to people if prayer is the mere request for something from God. Now go to Luke chapter 11. David, read Luke 11 verses 1 and 2. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right. Now, number one, I want you to look at verse one. It came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Notice that it is the prayer life of Jesus that triggers hunger in his disciples to learn to pray. More than beating people over the head and holding prayer conferences, that honestly some prayer meetings look like shuttle runs, two-a-days where they need electrolytes or IVs. They are the most spastic, just being honest with you, wild, oftentimes weird, declarative, loud environments that get nothing done. Because that's in the flesh. Nothing you bring to the table. I mean, I shouldn't say nothing. Some stuff gets done. You get tired and you sweat and run through your outfit. So I guess we do accomplish something. David, read, read uh, Luke 11 again, verses one and two. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Okay, number one, prayer inspires prayer. Okay, so Benny and Theo both came to the Lord a foot from my prayer room. I came out. They were little kids. They said, Dad, what are you doing in there? I said, I'm seeking Jesus. They both said, I want to know Jesus. And we got on our knees, separate days. The other one did not see the first one, give his life to the Lord. They were both saved a foot from my prayer room. So when we pursue the Lord, it invites others to do the same. The people who've most impacted me are not the best speakers. They're not the ones who pull the biggest crowds. They're not the ones who promote their crowds. 
No, that, that's not what has marked me. The ones who've marked me the most are the ones who are friends of God. Now, I've had the joy of being friends with a lot of people who have big crowds. Pastor Benny had a massive crowd tonight in Nairobi, or today, I guess it would have been. Met with the president. He sent us the footage. It was awesome. The power of God hit the choir, hit all the pastors. 600 leaders on the platform. 5,000 in the choir today. Incredible. Massive crowds. I've seen 3 million people in one night. I've seen 7 million people in three nights. Possibly the biggest crusade in modern Christendom. I've seen. But that's not why I love Pastor Benny. That's not what marked me. What marked me was he's a friend of God. Same with Reinhardt. When I would go sit with Reinhardt, we wouldn't talk about the masses. We would talk about the presence of Jesus. Most people don't know that about him. And I'll never forget sitting there in a Chili's with Reinhardt and he said, the crowds are not my reward. I'll never forget this. He said, the presence of Jesus is my reward. Now that applies to the whole church. Public ministry does not. But there are many in public ministry who do not know the Lord biblically. Certainly that's not the crescendo. That can't be the apex, right? Knowing Jesus is everything. And prayer is simply that, the knowing of the Lord Jesus. Now read verse two again. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. All right, stop. When you pray, say. I've, I've taught on this before, but you're going to need it tonight. Because tonight as we pray, you're going to feel the ebbs and flows of the presence of the Spirit. You're going to feel the deep calling unto deep. You're going to feel the sound of the many waterfalls. You're going to feel God carry you. You're going to feel a wave come in. You're going to feel it crash. That's usually when you get antsy and don't know what to do. And rather than doing some wild prophetic act, just sit there. Just sit there and let the Lord quicken you. Let the Lord animate you. Let the Lord, as the fathers would say, energize you with the energizing power of the Holy Spirit. When you pray, look, it's right there on the screen. When you pray, say. If you've come from, through Jesus school, you've heard this. When you pray, say. Therefore, praying and saying are not synonymous. Some of you got it. I think eight of you got that. When you pray, say. They are not one and the same. Typically, what wears us out is a whole lot of saying and very little praying. Now, here's the question. If I'm commanded, not recommended, commanded by the Scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5 to pray unceasingly, certainly it cannot be limited to talking. How do you get married? If it's just talking, how do, how do you talk to anyone if prayer is limited to talking? Now, there are certain things we must release vocally. The question is when and how. Timing is everything in the life of prayer. Now, David, go to Psalm 109. 
We've got seven minutes. We better hit the turbo jets. Psalm 109. Verse 1, David, would you start, and you're going to read through verse 4. Do not keep silent, O God of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. In return for my love, they are my accusers. But I give myself to prayer. Oh, man. (laughs) Welcome to the Christian life. Do you know, according to the Beatitudes, being attacked verbally and falsely accused, it's a promise. Oh, you're like, I don't want want that promise. All the promises of God are a yes and amen. It is a promise. It is a promise for you to live a holy life and to be accused of not living a holy life. It is a promise not to be misunderstood, but it is an actual promise from God for someone in your life to make stuff up and have no problem saying it. It's a promise. You don't believe me, do you? Go to Matthew 5. I just want to show you. And these are words in red here, just to encourage you tonight. This is the greatest sermon ever preached. This is the constitution of the kingdom, the Magna Carta of the faith, where the greater lawgiver than Moses, Jesus himself, sits on a mountain, because remember, if you were here this morning, kings sit down. And Jesus sits on the mountain to say, this is like the law of Moses, but I'm greater than Moses. This is a higher law. Are you ready? Blessed, the Greek word, verse 10, Matthew 5. Blessed, that Greek word is makarios. It means joyful, happy, all right? (laughs) Highly favored, charged with the presence of God. God does not see things the way we do. Let me read you verse uh, 10 uh, in in the Greek. Uh, I'll translate it in the English uh, a bit more graphically. Happy, joyful, blessed with the joyful presence of the Holy Spirit are those who are persecuted. For what? For righteousness sake. That means the ones who do everything right. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want you to notice the bookends of the Beatitudes here regarding the kingdom is verse 3 and 10. One is being poor in spirit. That means you're hungry. That's why you're here tonight, right? The second, the last bookend here is those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. The kingdom belongs to the hungry and the kingdom belongs to the persecuted. You signed up for it. When? When you got born again. You signed up for it when you said, Jesus, I want to walk with you. You signed up for it this morning. Look down at verse 11. Blessed are you when they what? Revile you. That means hate you. It means 
proactively try to hurt you and persecute you. Well, that's bad enough. You'd think the Lord would stop there. He continues in this blessing and say all kinds of evil against you. Well, you can make it even worse if you just feel like getting quadruply blessed tonight. Not only will they speak evil against you, they'll do it falsely. That's called lying. And guess who it's for? For his sake. It's for Jesus. Hmm. Then he tells us in verse 12, look at it. Rejoice. Okay, that sounds like a great idea. Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Are you grateful for heaven? You know, I, I believe in the kingdom coming when we gather. I believe in the kingdom coming every day. But one thing I'm concerned about, at least in our generation, in our circles, the Holy Spirit charismatic circles, is an emphasis on the current kingdom and a neglect of the coming kingdom, which was the opposite a generation ago. We are forgetting that Jesus is coming back and the Bible promises a purifying work for those who await the return of the king. The Bible promises a crown for those who await the return of the king. I want to be purified, do you? I want a crown so I can throw it at his feet. Anybody want a bigger head for a bigger crown? <laughs> Hopefully not. All right. Great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're in great company. Great company. Anyone here been lied about? Raise your hand. Since you got saved, anyone here been lied about? All right. Anyone here been hurt by false stuff being said about you? Raise your hand. Uh, anyone here been hated? Anyone here been misunderstood? Great is your reward. You're welcome. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. It's a promise. Now, what does the psalmist do? Go back to the psalms. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to begin praying. Pray for your heads. <laughs> David, would you read Psalm 109, verses 1 through 4 again? Do not keep silent, O God of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. In return for my love, they are my accusers, but I give myself to prayer. Ooh, hold on. Now that word in the Hebrew, that phrase, I gave myself to prayer in verse four, is more properly read. I have become prayer. Become prayer. Now I'm going to say something. You're going to need this Holy Spirit to reveal this to you. Prayer is not so much something as it is someone. Prayer is the activity of another. The Holy Spirit. We see in Zechariah 12, verse 10, go there. It's the last verse. Actually, it's not. Gosh, I'm a minute over. I lied. Jess, hold hands on me. Zechariah 12, 10. Can you read that, David? 
And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Stop. The spirit of what? Grace. The Greek word in the Septuagint would be charis, which means the divine empowering presence of the spirit. Okay, so the spirit of empowerment I will pour upon my house. It is the spirit of grace and what? Supplication, Supplication prayer. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of power to pray. He is the praying spirit. This is very important. Some of you may have heard this from the old days at Jesus school. I used to teach on this. What do you call someone who runs? A runner. What do you call somebody who gardens? A gardener. What do you call somebody who prays? A prayer. Prayer is not something you muster up. Prayer is someone you join. Most prayer environments are filled with self and filled with activity. Now there is a time where we begin to act and do, but the origin of what we do and say must be the activity of the Spirit or it's not accepted. This is amazing. David says this in Psalm 80. Don't turn there for the sake of time. Quicken me and I will call. I mean, start the dance, Lord. I have nothing to say. Start the dance. Get it going. Remember, we join a moving river. We don't create the movement. That's one of the, secret to the secrets of the healing ministry. You look for a moment that God is already moving in, a person that God has already begun to do something. You connect to it by faith. You declare the word of the Lord and the lights go on. It's the Genesis 1 narrative. So prayer is more about waiting and joining than creating. My Pentecostal friends, I love you, but I'm right. It's the Bible. This is... The only way to carry sustaining, unceasing prayer. The prayer of the heart. Now, when the heart is praying, you can actually have a job and not weird people out. Because the heart is connected while the body's stocking groceries. The heart is connected when you're serving, serving a wonderful sushi roll. The heart is connected to Jesus in silence that is holy and that is deep. And the person who carries this understands something. He's only a thought away. Today this happened. I'm not joking. I was in my bed napping before service. I didn't want to come here because I'm supposed to have a night off. I was tired physically. My heart wanted to come. My body didn't. You ever been there? Can we be real? And I was like, babe, I think you need to take the service. She goes, no, you're coming. I'm like, okay, I'll come. I'm laying there in my bed. And caught myself reciting an old prayer as I put my head down. And I just thought about him for a second. And I was swept on in. Into silent, joyful bliss. Not a problem in the world. Just laying there on my side, Jess next to me snoring. No, she wasn't snoring. Just laying there. And I, my eyes are closed and I'm just with Jesus. 
This is deep prayer. It's the activity of the Lord. Prayer is this. Well, there are a few definitions that I love. Let me give you a few. Prayer is God doing all things in us. Notice the psalmist writes, I have become prayer. Paul connects this to being a living epistle. Yeah, no. I knew I'd... We got to get there, so I'm going to force feed you. Because I want you to be solid disciples. When you find true interior prayer, a true life of holy communion, a co-union with God, your life becomes a message. When you sit quietly, you're preaching. Because your countenance, your actions, your consistency, your, your um, gosh, now I'm way over. Five more minutes. I'm getting better. I'm trying. Your longevity starts to speak with your mouth shut. And God puts like an invisible iron dome around you. Because he protects, don't forget this, those who pray. The Bible says in, uh, in the Song of Solomon regarding the Shulamite, the beloved says of the Shulamite, a garden enclosed is my sister. Oh, I love that. If you become known in heaven as someone who finds true prayer, listen, he will protect you and lock the gate and not let anyone in. He's so jealous over you at that point that you become God's project to protect. I'll never forget Reinhardt telling me years ago, he said, yes, it's true that servants of God, those who know the Lord's presence, are targets for the devil, but they are also targets for God to protect. You want to build this kind of relationship. You want your life, your heart to be a garden. And you want to become, listen to my language, a vessel of prayer where it goes beyond you shutting the door in private. That's where it starts though. There's no replacing that. The abiding life finds its origin in the secret life. So when you build that reputation and your life becomes a prayer, as the psalmist writes, I have become prayer. My life has become a living epistle. If you're wondering what Jesus is like, the world should look no further than the church. But prayer is interaction. So that's one definition. God doing all things in a man or woman. Becoming all in all to them. Another definition is the turning of the heart toward God. That's Madame Guyon. That's a wonderful definition as well. I like the first one. Because the first one calls me into a life of prayer. And listen carefully now. At that point, the Lord's feelings become my ministry. That's, that's holy ground. That kind of thing is few and far between. Yeah, you can build a, or an organization by taking crowd shots here, posting it real good, real savvy. Gaining momentum, using it, calling people. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. But that's been done. What's rare? What's rare? Are people 
who find their ministry, listen to my voice, in the heart of God, who have discovered that their life can cause a reaction in God. Oh, this is holy. This is very holy. That when the Lord is grieving, if I have built a trusted reputation with him, he will come our way and look for oil to be poured out on his feet. You do know the Lord grieves today. The Bible calls him the man of sorrows. To those who find this true prayer that is the activity of the Spirit, their whole life is built upon the feelings of God, the reputation of God, the glory of his name. David found this. David did not kill Goliath merely because he hated the giant. He killed Goliath because he loved the God that Goliath was mocking. The motive is entirely different. See, a lot of people want to be giant killers, but they're not in love and they're mercenaries. And they, they have no longevity. There's no touch of glory. There's no radiance in their eyes. Their countenance seems worldly. They're saying the right things. They're doing the stuff. But that moisture is not present. That, that touch, that Edenic dew that Adam and Eve walked in, it's, it's not there because it's an entirely different motive. But the one who kills Goliath out of love, those motives have been purified and they're doing it for the sake of the Lord's heart. That's accepted. And in Psalm 18, verse 1, don't have to turn there. Trust me, it's there. In Psalm 18, verse 1, David gives away the secret. This great psalmist. You know, I love the fact that as David's writing about himself at the end of his life, he doesn't call himself the great warrior or the great king. He says, these are the words of David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. He could have chosen anything, couldn't he? This is the, these are the words of David who built the city of David. No, these are the words of David who killed Goliath. No, these are the words of David who killed to the, his 10,000s. No, these are the ones of David who brought his father-in-law a sack of foreskin to win a wife. That's a wild one. He did that. He didn't, he didn't write, he didn't say that. Don't you love the Bible? <laughs> Are you glad you didn't have to do that, David? All right. <laughs> David didn't write any of that. He was very pointed, very careful about what he wrote about his life. And this is what he wrote. The sweet psalmist of Israel. Before I'm known as a warrior, I want to be known as a worshiping lover. And so David writes in Psalm 18.1, this is the secret. I love you, Lord. Look, there it is. They did it. I love you. I will love you, Lord. You, another version says, you are my strength. Do you want strength to defeat the enemy? Fall in love. Find prayer. Find the presence of the Spirit. Surrender your heart so that He can work through you and talk through you. Now listen up. There are things that will not be accomplished outside of allowing Him to pray through you. I have a prayer list at home. It takes me two minutes to get through. 
request-wise. I can blow through it, and I know when to do it. And I know when it works. It's when his presence becomes thick and rich, when he captures my attention. Faith is available in that space because he is called the spirit of faith. Sometimes we say before we pray. We ask before Jesus' presence is real to us, and we ask amiss. And we call the neglect of his presence, unfortunately, faith. No, it's independence. And that's cursed. See, the faithful are in love with the faithful one. So tonight, here we are. We need God to move. We need God to move. We need, we need favor on multiple fronts. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it with the city now. I mean, I'm telling you, two prayer meetings, we're seeing breakthrough. It's awesome. It's awesome. Very encouraging, awesome breakthrough. And again, I'm going to say it. This building will be built debt-free. Debt-free. And the nations will come. And they'll be there when we're in heaven, coming for multiple, multiple generations, long after we're gone. Huh? Many of you are sick in body. I believe as we pray, the Lord's going to touch you. But before I even gave any guidance to prayer, I wrote this down on my, my, my iPad. I waited on the Lord. I said, Lord, what do you want to talk about tonight? What do you want us to pray? And he gave me those things. Pray for the sick. Pray for the building. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Pray for Jesus 24. That's what we're going to do. Amen? If you enjoyed this podcast, you can like and subscribe to help us continue to reach people around the world with the gospel. Give today at jesusimage.tv forward slash give. You can also join us in person or online every Sunday at Jesus Image Church. For more information on Jesus Image, events, Jesus School, and resources, visit jesusimage.tv.